Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by the College Corner. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, Woody Womack of Rivals.com joins. We'll talk about uh, his recent trip to New Orleans to visit with Arch Manning. We'll talk about uh, his time in Hattiesburg last week for the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Classic, get his thoughts on some of the guys in that game. Talk about a transfer portal, rankings. Uh, Woody believes that the – the early signing period is soon to become a thing of the past. So we'll get his thoughts on that. Also his overall thoughts on Ole Miss, Ole Miss recruiting as a program, not just this year's class. National Signing Day, of course, is on Wednesday. We have lots of content up at rebelgrove.com. I talked to Cameron Ward today. I talked to Jordan Watkins. We've got lots of uh, nuggets or chicks, I think is what we call them, in the uh, the thread at rebelgrove.com. If you're not a subscriber, now's a time, great time to join a lot of recruiting information day in and day out as we get closer to the signing period, which starts on Wednesday. So we'll get into today's show in a minute. First, I want to tell you this show is brought to you by the College Corner. It's your one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In Ridgeland, the College Corner is next to Fleet Feet. In Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, it's okay. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Whether you're tailgating in Oxford or homegating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day with the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done and what I recommend that you do. And that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Soft Verbal is also brought to you by Daniel Barfield, Barfield Wealth Management. Uh, They've been going since 2000, serving individuals and businesses in the Oxford and North Mississippi area. Daniel Barfield carries both CFP and CPA designations. He's affiliated with the Advisors Resource Council. It's a registered investment advisory firm with offices in Oxford, New Orleans, Dallas, and the surrounding areas. Daniel and his staff offer comprehensive financial planning, including investment management, estate and tax planning, insurance planning, and business retirement plans. He uh, can be reached at 662-236-6454 or at barfieldwealthmanagement.com. We're also brought to you by Billy's Small Batch Bacon. Uh, my old friend William Stitt has mastered the art of bacon. He uses bacon selected from the finest hogs, hand-turned every two hours in small batches, rubbed with nitrate-free pink curing salt and brown sugar molasses, all behind his stage at Old 27 Grill, his restaurant and grocery in Fairhope, Alabama. Get in touch with Billy. It's billiesbacon.com, B-I-L-L-E-S, bacon.com. Try it today. Also brought to you by Alpha Specialties. Alpha's located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. They're your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it at Alpha, the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. 
load trail, Hallmark cargo trailers, uh, spare tires and wheels starting at just $100, a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. 601-932-9798 or alphaofms.com. Also brought to you by Muddy Water Camo. Go to muddywateroutdoors.com, enter the promo code REBELGROVE, get 35% off on everything. Those heated jackets uh, came in handy for me out today working on recruiting stuff. It'll come in handy for you too as well. Uh, They also have the uh, Muddy Water uh, Lady Camo apparel, I should say. So go to muddywateroutdoors.com, promo code REBELGROVE, 35% off and free shipping on orders of $100. Or more. Now here's Woody Womack of Rivals.com. My friend Woody Womack joins us from Rivals.com. Been colleagues now for, I don't know, forever. Uh, Woody is the social media director, national recruiting analyst. He's kind of the jack of all trades at uh, Rivals. He has been in New Orleans recently. He was in Hattiesburg last week for the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Classic. It's kind of all over the place and kind enough here on a Sunday afternoon before National Signing Day to give me some time. So, Woody, I really appreciate it. How you been, bud? I'm good, Neil. Yeah, really a upset of the century that we both managed to stay employed uh, for <laughs> a decade together. I thought <laughs> no, the odds on that would have been uh, pretty pretty low for sure. <laughs> yeah, no comment. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I just, every, every month when the check shows up, I'm like, whew, another month. Um <laughs> Uh, I don't even know where to start. There's a lot I want to get to, but I know you were in New Orleans recently. You you were around Arch Manning. You didn't get a chance to formally talk to Arch Manning, but you're following that like everybody else is. Um, what what was kind of your what were kind of your thoughts of that and just being down there? What kind of vibe did you get? Yeah, you know, Arch is kind of like he's definitely the. I would say most famous recruit we've had in a, in a while, probably since Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence was much more available. You know, he was at everything. He didn't have, you didn't have to go through anyone to get him. You know, you could basically message him and he would reply. Uh, you know, Arch of course is under a little bit more of uh lock and key, you know, with his family and everything. And that's totally understandable. Um, so the reason I was down, I went down to New Orleans. I was hoping he'd be playing for the state championship. Uh, they, of course, they lost the week before, and then he was out playing basketball like six days later, which is kind of crazy in the modern era to think like, you know, a lot of these kids, by the time they get to be a junior, senior in high school, are specializing, and he's out here running around on the basketball court. And uh, <laughs> actually, I posted some clips from the game and he on Instagram, and he commented like, no, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want that footage out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Arch is, you know, uh, as normal as you can get for what, for the situation he's in. I really think like when he's allowed to let his personality shine, people are going to be surprised at like, you know, how funny he is and kind of how engaging he is. And, you know, he's got kind of that sarcastic humor, kind of like his uh, uncle's. So I think Arch is going to be, you know, a, a star on and off the field. And a lot of people, you know, we get, oh, he's so he's overrated. He's only ranked because of his name. It doesn't really show up how big he is. He's like six foot four now. He's probably grown a good four inches over the past two years, and he's really starting to fill out. I mean, he's he's a big kid. And I just don't think that sh- 
translates when you're watching the videos on social media or something like that. Um, he's a legitimate prospect and the whole like concept of he's only because he's a Manning. It's like, you know, these schools that are recruiting him do, would not recruit a kid and make him their number one priority in their class just because of his name. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like Arch. I, like I said, I wish he could show his personality a little bit more. And I think when he gets to college, you know, NIL is not going to be an issue. We'll see him in commercials and stuff like that. And, and he's going to be a star. Yeah, he's going to make so much money from NIL, whether wherever he goes. I'm curious, you've, you've obviously seen him and followed him some, or a lot, not some. Whether it's Texas or Georgia or Ole Miss or Alabama or wherever, how quickly do you see him being able to contribute at the SEC level? I mean, I would expect there to be a little bit more of a transition period. I think the ideal situation would be kind of like what we saw at Bryce Young at Alabama. Like watching him last year, I, you know, I was a big fan of Bryce in high school. Um, we had ranked him number two overall. And watching him come in last year and like mop up duty for Mac, I was like, man, he really looks uncomfortable. And I was like starting to get nervous. Like, you know, is he not ready or whatever? But no, he wasn't, he wasn't ready then. He learned behind Mac. He got some reps. He had a whole off season. And from game one against Miami, which I went to here in Atlanta, I mean, he was immediately ready to go. I think that would be the perfect situation for Arch because the competition level he's at right now and the players he plays with, I mean, honestly, a lot of the guys he plays with look like people that we would have been playing with, Neil, you know, <laughs> like he's not on some super team loaded with stars. It's like, you know, it's a lot of, you know, average looking kids. And he had a four star receiver who ended up moving to Florida and then transferring out. And I think that hurt him a lot this year. Yeah, and He has like a three star tight end. But I mean, he's not playing with talent. And that's why they end up, you know, he, he lost in that semifinals when they ran into a more talented team. So I think give him a year, get, pick the right fit. I don't think you throw him out there right away. I don't even think he's like Trevor Lawrence where after four games he takes over. I really think he's going to need a year to adjust to the competition level because the tools are there. But it's hard to go from playing with no prospects to starting uh, right away in the, in the SEC. Yeah, his uncle um... – one of them got forced into action right right away because of injuries, and then and then Eli had a redshirt year, and then he sat a year behind Romero Miller, and it appears to have worked out pretty well for Eli. So sometimes people do this deal, and I think it's just kind of the culture we live into, which is that you know if if you don't contribute right away, if you're not a dominant player right away, you're a bust, which is the silliest concept in the world when you when you think about you know, just the adjustment to college in general for anyone, and then you add sports to it and stuff. There's, for a lot of guys, just that first year is a is a transition year. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, and Charles Cross is a guy like that in Mississippi State because uh, he was at Alabama, Mississippi that year, and I was blown away at, like, how athletic he was. We ended up making him a five-star. He goes – the first, he, it was a Moorheads last year there. He doesn't even play at all. And I was like, oh, my God, Charles Cross is a massive bust. What were we thinking? And now he's going to be a first round pick like two years later, you know, so he wasn't ready to play. He redshirted and he plays for two years and now he's going to go be a top 20 pick in the draft. So it's like, you're right, you know, classic instant gratification. And I'm a victim of it too, because I panic. I'm like, why isn't this guy playing? Why isn't he playing at all? And then, you know, he just sometimes just need time. I mean, the raw talent is there. They just need time to to be ready. They were talking about kids, 17, 18 year olds, and sometimes they're not ready to step in there and, and play right away. 
I think it's so interesting you mentioned the word panic a few times about evaluations and, and rankings and stuff. It's though, you know, and you, I'm, I know this is not going to surprise you, Woody, but people on message boards get angry about rankings. Um, they they think there's a lot of agendas and that, you know, it's, it's all based on who Alabama wants. And if Alabama wants them, they're a five-star and stuff like that. And, and it, I always try to tell people that, and they don't listen, but I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to tell me I'm right or wrong. You guys, people like you and 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 Speegs and um, uh, uh, Josh Himholt, back when he was more heavily involved in in that aspect of it, uh, you guys really want to get it right because your reputation rides on it, right? If you make Charles Cross a five star and then he is a bust, well, you don't kind of live that one down. That one hangs over you for a long time. In the same way that if you if you've got a kid that, that you look at and you're like, I don't know, and you make him a three-star and he ends up being the first pick in the draft, you don't live that one down either. People throw that one in your face. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of selfish reasons to want to get rankings right. Right, and it's just like any, you know, any prognostication. That's how it goes. It's like, look, I would let you know, oh, you love Alabama or whatever. It's like, <laughs> first of all, I don't love any anybody or anything. <laughs> other than my family, maybe my dog. I'm just like, all I'm trying to do is get it right. We're just trying to get it as right as we can because we know we're not going to get it all right. That's the other problem. Is like, it's kind of like playing baseball. It's like, you know you're going to fail seven times out of ten at baseball, but if you do that, you're, you're a Hall of Famer or whatever. We're trying to hit, you know, we're trying to hit them all, but we know we're not. And you just like, you weigh, and there's so many things you weigh that people don't even know about because we know the kids on a personal level. Then you've got the people that do, that are invested. You have college coaches telling you, oh, this kid's horrible. We wouldn't take him or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I, you know, I think you probably, I think you probably would take him if he wanted to come to you. Uh, So we're weighing all of that. So yeah, we definitely have a personal stake in it. And the ones we get wrong, like I'll never root against a kid. I mean, a good story I tell people is Rondale Moore, who's having a pretty good rookie season for the Cardinals in the NFL. He was like a high three-star. I went to Kentucky to see him play, and I just didn't see it, right? I just wasn't that impressed. He came to the All-American Bowl. The whole team was there. Nobody was really that impressed. And he, after the game, he's like, you know, what are you going to fix my ranking? And I said, look, Rondale, you're going to school where you want to go for free. Number one, that's the number one goal. Number two, you're super happy about it. And number three, go to school, be successful, and be and make a million dollars and then laugh in my face and I'll be more more than happy for you <laughs> that he achieved every one of those things you know so it's like I'm I'm so happy that I want everyone to to achieve their dreams so I'm never going to root against a kid because I ranked him lower than someone else um you know and that's the thing is like all I'm trying to do is get it right the best I can and we're all working as a team and guess what we don't agree on everything either I mean You'll hear me, you know, especially because, you know, I'm a little more animated than some of the other guys. We'll get in arguments on the thing where I'll be adamant that this kid's better than this kid or or so on and so forth. And we have to sort of present a united front when it comes out. But, you know, we're arguing about it on the side for years still. Me and guys from other companies, too. You know, I'll text people from somewhere else and be like, oh, I thought this guy wasn't supposed to be good. What happened? (laughs) <laughs> and it, it just keeps going from there. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a point of pride uh, to try to get it right. 
All right, speaking of, you were in Hattiesburg over uh, some part of last week. I, I lose track of all the days. Today We're taping this on Sunday. The game was Saturday, so it was last week you were there. I know you saw um, you were having to cover both both sides, right, which is difficult. So you didn't get to probably do as, as thorough, or I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, as thorough a, a, of an evaluation as maybe you would hope to do. But you saw a lot of these guys and got to either adjust or, or make um, – some you know rankings determinations in your mind about them. I'm curious to get your thoughts on a handful. I'll just kind of throw them at you. I'm looking at the Ole Miss's commit list. Uh, a lot of talk about Quinshawn Judkins, the running back out of Pike Road, Alabama. Um, he kind of for a moment last over the last few days kind of hiccuped a little on Twitter, said I wasn't going to announce, but now he's saying he is going to announce it's on social media, on his social media, that he's going to sign with Ole Miss on Wednesday. What kind of running back is Ole Miss getting? Yeah, you know he's kind of a he's kind of a bigger back. I mean, you know he's he's definitely a bruiser, um, and I, I do like the fit. You know, Kevin Smith, uh, the Rebels uh, running backs coach, he was he was that kind of running back who could punish you, but it could also run away from people. Uh, and he kind of you know a lot of these coaches like to recruit guys in their own image, and I, I do think Judkins kind of fits that. We've got him on like fringe four star status. He's a high three star right now. I kind of like him in that range just because I don't know how high his ceiling is, but the it's a low floor. I think he's a guy that immediately can come in and be like a short yardage guy and he's going to be a load. People are not going to like to bring him down. So he did pretty well and it's the running backs don't get a ton of chances. They're not getting a ton of like chances to shine because the, the they're not fully padded practices. They usually have like shells on. So, but I, I liked what I saw from him, and I think, uh, I think, yeah, he's going to be a bruiser. Fans are going to like him. I don't know exactly where he fits in at the college level. Like everybody has it listed as an athlete. People talk about him as a DB, as a possible receiver or whatever. But what did you see out of Jarrell Stinson, the, the athlete from Opelika? Yeah, people uh, – a lot of the other guys that were there were, were talking about him a lot. I think they really liked him. Kind of tough, like you said, he's kind of tough to project – uh, just because of his size. I mean, he's he's sort of undersized. I mean, 5'10", 175, what we have him listed. I think that's about right. He was returning kicks a little bit and running around. I think he probably ends up playing DB, uh, uh, you know, if if uh, they want that skill set on the field because it's easy to take these guys that have ball skills and then put them at corner, especially if they can run. And all of a sudden, you've got somebody dangerous out there. So he's going to probably have to bulk up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he's in that same range, high three-star, low four-star. And I think uh, I like him where we have him right now. A couple of wide receivers on the Mississippi team that are committed to Ole Miss, Jeremiah Dillon, Larry Simmons. I heard some people kind of raving about Dillon a little bit over the course of, uh, of, of the week. Curious if you got a chance to watch them enough to make some observations. Yeah, I really like Dylan. Uh, he's a guy that that I kind of that took me by surprise. Kind of reminds me of like a wide receiver from Florida, as I told some of the other guys there. Just really quick feet, and he kind of glides on the field. And it's just like it's almost hard to uh, to describe it to someone if you haven't seen guys like you know Jerry Judy or whatever, and how quick he can move his feet. Dylan kind of had some of that. Now, I mean, that's a the big comparison. You know, to like a first round pick, an amazing wide receiver, but I really liked uh, I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, he he dropped a couple, you know, but that it was cold out there, and I'm not super worried about that. I just really liked the way he ran his routes, and I honestly think like 
you can't really it takes time to develop that if he has it already uh that's going to make him a, a a contributor so yeah i really liked his game simmons simmons wasn't doing as much uh, i think people are higher on him uh you know than uh than the other guy right now but he's he's a different type he's a he's a bigger body guy that'll be on the outside so i think they kind of complement each other well i think they'll they'll fit well together a lot of linemen in the game a lot of people are talking about the size of these guys and i've seen some of them as they've come through um, oxford on visits and stuff and there are some big kids uh, bryson hurst a big offensive lineman out of gaucher i know he was down there um it was he, he talked about moving i know he's played tackle and people look at his size and go six six three twenty you're going to be a tackle he was talking a week ago about moving inside uh, to uh, one of the guard spots, or even at center, which is hard to imagine a six foot six center because he's and he's he's every bit of six five. He is a tall kid. Um, Zavion Harris was down there, another huge guy. Um, Jacarius Clayton uh, was committed to Ole Miss, took official visit to Mississippi State this weekend, so something to keep an eye on. But another big body guys, a lot of big bodies down in in there. Um, and I know those practices are like you said, they're not they're not full pads, they're not full contact so sometimes it's hard to get a, a real gauge but from what you did see what'd you think of those guys yeah i mean this is one of the reasons why i think that game is so underrated year after year because a lot of these people in mississippi are they're not getting seen on a national level so when you look at the mississippi team you've got hearst you know six five six six three hundred harris uh as you mentioned and clayton and then you throw in jaheim otis i mean <laughs> you're talking about like those are NFL-sized players, and they're 17 years old. Um, and you don't really appreciate that you see them in person. I mean, Chris Jones is like that. I'm pretty sure Chris Jones was a, a three-star until we saw him at Alabama, Mississippi, and then he finished as a five and, of course, you know, went to be a first-rounder. So, like, I, I I do think people sell themselves short if they don't get out and evaluate at this game. That's why I thought it was important for us to be there. But, you know, Harris and Clayton, they both kind of look like they could be offensive linemen just because of their height and length. But there are plenty of defensive linemen who who play at that size and have success, especially, uh, you know, in the SEC and in the NFL and beyond. You look at somebody like, you know, Raekwon Davis um, from Mississippi, who was a, a beast and was huge. I mean, one of the biggest kids I've ever stood next to in high school. Um, so, yeah, I like I like what Ole Miss is doing here with those, with those three guys in particular. Um you can't you just you can't find that size so when you get bryson hurst coming in and you say okay look if he's will especially if he's willing to move around on the line to me if i'm an old miss fan that's a immediate positive sign it's like okay i tell me this kid wants to play regardless he's not like i'm a left tackle you know and then sometimes it's easier for guys to start inside because they don't have to adjust to the speed rushers on the edge um i think he did have uh bryson did have some problems with uh Travion Harris uh, during, or Travion Williams, excuse me, during one-on-ones, which I really liked him too. I think he's he's going to be a steal for for whoever gets him, and he's just not not talked about enough nationally. But uh, you get these guys, and you get the size on the roster, and then you you kind of mold them to fit. I mean, if if you're talking in a future where where Ole Miss has Clayton and Harris on the on the D line at both at six six three hundred plus. I mean, you know, that's a nightmare for defenses. So whether they stay there, whether they move to offense, I just think 
going after that size, keeping those guys close to home. Uh, I think that's a major win for Ole Miss. We didn't mention Jaheim Otis. I know you saw him. He's a highly recruited guy. Mississippi State made a run. Ole Miss made a real run. It it sounds today, as we tape this again on Sunday, that, that he's going to stick with that Alabama commitment. Was that the buzz in Hattiesburg as well? Yeah, that was the buzz. And honestly, like it may be better for him to – to get away for a little bit farther away from home. And, uh, and I'm not sure about the exact mileage there on, on how far it is from home. But I, I personally think like he has a lot of God given talent and he has the size, but he's going to have to drill down. And, you know, some people did rec- compare him to Raekwon Davis, which I thought was insane, especially the first time I saw him. He's just got a lot of work to do, but he's, he's naturally gifted the way he can move at his size. But he's gonna—he's one of those guys that we talked about earlier. He—he he could use to go to a school and be in the strength and conditioning program for a year and and kind of reshape his body. And if if he does that, yeah, I think he can be like a, a really special guy. Um, but in terms of like, he's definitely more of a future projection than what we've seen right now. And honestly, it was crazy seeing him standing next to. Clayton and Harris, I was almost like, man, is he, you know, because he's supposed to, however tall he's supposed to be, you know, 6'5 or whatever. I was like, man, he doesn't even look that tall standing next to these two, which just tells you the sheer size. Because when I saw Otis over the summer at IMG Academy with a bunch of other guys from around the country, he was by far the biggest dude there. So it just like the the perspective of seeing him next to more big bodies, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, he's going to have to lose some weight. He's he, He's going to have to get into a weight room and hit it hard and he's going to have to be careful about the other stuff that he because he can't he, he can't hit the food as hard as he's been hitting it he's going to, have to change his nutrition he's going to, there, there is there is going to be a transition for him there's no doubt yeah and that's why i said that's why it's like look sometimes it's better to get away from home and not have access to mom's cooking you know and instead you're instead of eating mom's cooking you're you know he, eating the stuff that they're feeding you from the nutritionist at alabama or whatever um i i think that you know i could use that myself that's for sure yeah, <laughs> so, me too uh, i think that i think i think he does have some work to do but i do think that you know that's why we kind of have him where we sl- where we have him slotted in the 75 to 100 range uh in the in the rankings because there's a lot of boom potential, but there's also bust potential there. You're around it a lot. Um, this the whole transfer portal thing, which I'm I'm for. I'm I'm for kids being able to do what the coaches can do. Coaches can can pick up and leave at the drop of a hat. I I, I think to to punish kids for moving, especially giving them the one time free pass. I think it's a good thing, but it has completely changed uh, the recruiting game. At least the part of it that I see, you see a lot more of it than I do. How is the transfer portal impacting recruiting kind of overall? Yeah, you know, it's really having an effect on the bottom 25% of prospects because you're seeing just less opportunities and especially add in the extra COVID year that everyone got. I mean, it's going to take four or five years to get that off the books. So there's just less opportunities. There's less scholarships. And I know they've kind of, switched it around where it's like oh okay well if a transfer leaves then you get an extra number but a school is just going to use that on a transfer they're not going to use it on a high school kid and i was talking to an nfl agent uh yesterday um who surprisingly wanted a favor who would who would imagine <laughs> that's why he called but i was saying it's just really hard to build a roster and a culture in and a program around trend when you're taking 10 plus transfers a year 
like, you know, and it's easy to point to Alabama and say, oh, well, you know, they've got to figure it out. But, you know, they're selectively picking a couple transfers a year. I think if you get to the point where you're signing 10 kids and taking 12 transfers, I think you get into trouble there. I just think it's almost like free agency in the NFL. The best uh, franchises that have staying power build through the draft and not through free agency. They kind of supplement with some big names in free agency. And I, 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 I'm with you. I love the transfer portal from a perspective for the kids. The kids need an opportunity to, if they're not playing, go find a place to, to go. I just think there's a little – it's just a little hard for them because a lot of these guys enter – not knowing where they're going to go or what's going to happen or how it even really works. And then you've got kids that, you know, unfortunately we're going to school for free, scrambling to find a home and maybe not ever playing again. And that's kind of like, I don't want that to be the case. You know, I want to make sure everyone gets at least their education if they're not playing as much as they would like. But yeah, there are some kids every year now that are going to be left, left out in the cold, whether it be, guys who entered the portal and didn't find a place to go or high school kids that would have signed with Georgia Southern or something. And instead they don't have a place to go because Georgia Southern is taking cast offs from, you know, various SEC schools. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It's going to see so many guys in the port that get in the portal. You can tell they got bad advice. They didn't need to get in the portal. Um, and then, and then, like you said, there's going to be programs who try to do, use it as a quick fix. Um, I think back to what Will Hall, the Southern Miss coach, told me uh, back before the season started. He said, you know, this doesn't apply to everyone in the portal, but you have to look at the portal through the prism of you're in the portal for a reason. And for a lot of guys, they're in the portal because you couldn't play. And he goes, you got to make sure that when you're looking at those guys, they couldn't play there. Can they play for you? Because if, they, if, if they're going to come to you with the same problems – you just wasted a, a scholarship spot that you could have given to somebody uh, for you know that, that you took time to develop. But you look around, Woody, at the coaching carousel, and you look at guys getting fired after two years or three years. Coaches, I get it. They don't have a ton of time, and they look at it and go, I don't have five years to develop this guy. And if I do develop him, he's going to get in the transfer portal and go to Alabama or Oklahoma or Florida or, or whatnot. So it's it's complicated. It's there's no there's no like one solution to it. So just gonna be something that this is where you're gonna see which coaches are adept at at using the portal the right way and and which ones kind of use it as a um, as a catch all. Because I'm like you, I, I'm a pro sports guy, and I mean you always love your team to go out and sign the big free agent. But if you look out on the diamond, I'm using a baseball analogy here. If you look out and everybody out there's a free agent. Some part of your organization has been cratered, and it's going to come back and haunt you, and and um, that that's the case all the time. So you you've got to develop players through recruiting that stay in your program and become part of your culture, and all of those things, or it's going to eat you up. I I, I think you can use the portal as a one year kind of a deal to get eight, nine, ten guys like Ole Miss is doing this year, but. Like, if you tell me, hey, Ole Miss is doing this again next season where they're going kind of portal heavy, I'll tell you that something went wrong. Right. And when you're rebuilding, yeah, Mel Tucker did it at Michigan State. Hey, he hit the jackpot, you know, like with a guy like Kenneth Walker and some of the DBs they have and stuff like that. But I, I just – and you're taking over a situation where there, was a, where there was a lack of talent or a lack of evaluations or – a lack of scholarships. I totally get it. I just think, like you said, yeah, every year 
year in, year out. I think what we might see, first of all, I think the early signing period is going to go away uh, sometime soon because I just don't think uh, the ADs, I think, don't like this setup and the coaches don't like it either because they feel like guys are getting fired too early. So I think I think we might see that pushed back until either after the bowl games or we might just go back to February um, just because I, I – Coaches didn't see this coming. They're the ones, oh, we don't want to have to recruit these kids for an extra month and a half. Well, yeah, guess what? Now you're getting fired in week three. You know? <laughs> or like the Texas Tech coach who was five and three and got fired. Uh, you know, like uh, that's a byproduct. And I've, I have heard rumblings. I'm not sure what you've heard on that from people, but they're already exploring moving it or getting rid of it. And then I think we could see a situation with the portal where we have almost like soccer like a tr- like a transfer window, um, like you could enter the portal in October. You you know you could leave your team whenever you want, but then the transfer window is almost it's almost like a recruiting period. It's like okay, you can move from you know December to March, and then you're kind of locked in uh, in terms of like no contact from other schools and stuff like that. So I think the the problem is you know the NCAS. They don't, we don't even have any NIL rules yet. So it's like, how do you figure all this stuff out? Uh, it's hard, but I do, I do think we're in the mood for it. We're, we're, changes are coming. I think the first thing you'll see is the, the early signing period kind of be shifted because I think they didn't realize how much of an impact it was going to have on coaches changing jobs and stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. You're the first person that said that. And I, I'm, I'm going to take your word for it. I know it, it came up and I, I guess it was a week or two ago that came up, and and I heard a lot of people say, "Yeah, the it's once you let the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't get it back in." And talking about a December signing period, but you're right, coaches hate it. It's it's uh it it also it it it, it completely disrupts the month of December. It it stops them. It, it just changes it changes things. I think coaches, frankly, would now like to go back to the way it was, but they don't. I don't think they're convinced that they can ever get it there. Maybe. Maybe they're wrong. Yeah, it's it's hard because I <laughs> this is the thing. This is like Farrell was always a king of we need it, we need it, we need it. I'm like, why do we need it? Like, what? I I get it. Like, I really think that the, the reason we got an early signing period was because people didn't like the hat ceremonies. Like, I, I will tell you that they didn't like that. Now, I agree coaches didn't like having to chase kids that have been committed for a year deep into January, and I, I, I get that. But, like, I think there was a way to, hey, we need to slow this down. It's too big of a deal. It's like, guess what? If National Signing Day is good for your sport. Uh, you, in my opinion, you would need to move it back to after the Super Bowl and just let it be the story for that week. You know, uh, I I wasn't a big early signing day period. And you want to talk about, yeah, it's early this year on the 15th. But, I mean, it's button up against Christmas. It's, uh, like you said, it's it, schools that are making the conference championships games are playing into December. And you had, you know, Iowa who, who ended up landing that five-star in their state, Xavier Nwankpa. Their coaches were like too busy planning for the big 10 championship and they couldn't go do in-home visits. And so, and the kid, you know, you're talking about 10 days before signing day or whatever. Um, so I think it is hurting coaches more than they thought. Putting the toothpaste back in the tube, you know, is hard. But I do think that, like, it's only been five years. It, you know, the kids don't have any representation, so they're going to pushback from them. I just think it comes down to 
can they get can they get their stuff together to to push it through? Will will it pass or whatever? But I think ADs hate it. I think coaches hate it, and they're the ones who who wanted it so bad, and and now they want it gone because of the way it affected the jobs. And this year we saw more than anything. I mean, it was it was totally insane. And the schools that lose their coaches, the Oklahomas, uh, even now Clemson, Oregon. I mean, just mass decommitments, and you've essentially lost an entire year. And then you have that period where you don't have a coach and these kids are jumping in the portal and you're going to see schools like, like Oklahoma, two five-star receivers going to the portal and they're starting tight end. In addition to having like 10 D commitments, Oregon's had probably 10 D commitments and it doesn't matter how quick you hire a coach. It's like, and next thing you know, it's like signing days in five days. Great. Oregon just hired Dan Lanning. Okay. Well, signing days in five days and you, you lost 10 commits. So congratulations, Dan Lanning. You're walking into an immediate lack of, of talent because of the, of the way the calendar is set up. Last thing, and I really appreciate your time on what I know is a busy day. Just your overall thoughts of where Ole Miss is, not just in this class, but in general, the way that Lane Kiffin and company are, are having success, or and some people would argue lack of success, or whatever the case may be. I think the jury's out, but... When you look at Ole Miss right now as a program from a recruiting standpoint, what do you think? I mean, look, we, we it's easy to want like like instant gratification here. Ole Miss was like knocking on the door of the playoff. You know, like go look at the final rankings. In any other year, even if Cincinnati had lost a game, I think you would have seen people advocating for for maybe them to jump in there. So they they have national cachet and that's the most important thing you can't you can't buy that you know you there's only there's only one way to get it and that's like you know lane's brand has players interested in the program they're winning games they play they have an exciting offense um you know losing levy i think hurt but like i don't, i think they're right there especially with auburn being down um and I honestly, I, I don't I see Auburn being down until they they go they figure it out what they're going to want to do with that coaching staff. I just uh, they're not recruiting basically at all at all right now at the level that they need to be to compete with Old Miss and A and M and LSU. I think it, it's hard though. I mean, you know, you look at the landscape and it's like, man, we're Texas A and M is probably going to have the number one recruiting class, and then you still have Alabama, LSU got Brian Kelly. So every year it's going to be a slog, but I mean, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I feel the best I've felt uh, since you know peak peak freeze recruiting era when he was signing five stars from all over the country. I mean, you're not going to do that, but uh, they are. You are going to be in the mix for a lot of guys you need, and like like I said, it can't be understated keeping these guys close to home. I mean, it used to be no one's going to pull a guy out of Mississippi. Uh, and, and, and there was a time there where all of a sudden they were getting raided, and now I think they're back to kind of owning the, the state. Um, and they're going to lose a couple guys in Mississippi State, but I, I think they should feel pretty good right now. Woody, as always, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Look forward to seeing your coverage on uh, signing day and beyond, and thanks for uh, being a friend of the site. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Neil. Thanks to Woody Womack for his time today on the Soft Verbal Podcast. Signing day is Wednesday. We will have some sort of soft verbal analysis podcast kind of thing. I don't know exactly what it is that we're going to be doing. Uh, There's Sugar Bowl practices that begin this week, so we're covering those as well. 
there's a basketball game Wednesday night. Uh, recruiting will take priority over that, but I don't know what the exact schedule looks like. But we'll try to get something to you uh, Wednesday, Thursday that's analytical in nature, I suppose, as to uh, what happened or didn't happen or both with this Ole Miss recruiting class. But until then, thanks for your time. Thanks for making um, us at MPW Digital a part of uh, your podcast listening habits. And again, thanks to Woody Womack for his time on a really busy day for him. Until next time, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.